There's so much I can say this morning, um, but I want to just start off with uh, time to rise. So this morning, as you know, that there's quite a few families who's gone down to Bloemfontein, and we are excited as a church to see what God is doing in our country and our nation. And what we have experienced as a church is that we are not just about speaking ill of our government and, oh, we our hands up this government and this country is going to whatever and I'm leaving for Australia and I'm going back to the UK and I'm just going to leave this nation. We are here because God has placed us here and we are going to stand and continue to pray for righteousness in our government. We are going to continue to pray for righteous people to take up their position. For those who haven't seen the link, please get onto the broadcast group. If you don't have the info, get it at the info desk because this information that I'm telling you now and all the other announcements that's been made will be sent to you via a WhatsApp. And what is important about Time to Rise right now that there are nominations and people that has been put forward. Those of you who received the link, please vote for the nominations that are on that link. There are quite a few amazing people on that link. We have even some people here from the Bay who's on that link as well to be voted in and to stand in positions for the next election. And for those who don't know when that election is, it's around the corner. And so it's important that for some of you, and I don't want to go on to this, if you're saying, I don't vote, then don't have a say then rather stay at home and just make that your world because we live in a country that you have a say and your vote counts. If you don't know who to vote for, like some of us, we are seriously praying and asking God to show us that to vote for righteous people. Your vote counts. For some of you who are unable to vote because of your re residency and certain things within our framework, pray for us as a nation. We as a church, and not just the Bay, the church, the body of Christ, have an opportunity to rise up and to stand. And that's what Bloemfontein is about. There'll be a lot of videos going out. There's a lot of things. And, and knowing Sheldon, he's going to tell you the rundown. Uh, not next, actually next week because Kathleen is preaching. So you, we will hear more things and what's happening. So Sheldon and the team is leading um, part of what's happening here in the Western Cape. Okay. And Sheldon and Kathleen and the team and other families are in Bloemfontein. So I've got a few minutes, but I want to just honor what God is doing here this morning. And firstly, I want to uh, speak into this before I share God's word. That there were some of you who stood in front here, that you've got to walk away with this understanding that God has touched you. That he has healed you. That you've got to walk away from this understanding that for those of you who stood here, who, who's trusting God for a job, that God will open up the right doors for you. There were some of you that I felt that were standing here, you felt empty. You felt that you just want to give up. Keep on pressing in for what God has in store for you. Let faith arise. Let hope arise. And we felt that this morning. God's easier and he touched us. And we've got to believe that God will continue to do that. Amen? Okay, thank you. Jo jo um, Daniel, you can just put on that slide for me, please. So I'm going to do this as a bit of an understanding is that I've had some conversations with people, but equally, uh, for, for quite a while now, for a few months, listening to people, hearing God's voice, I've kept on hearing this. What is my purpose? Why am I born? What am I doing here? 
What is God saying to me? What, what is it that he does and want me to do? And it's either in conversation, but even equally in my own life, I had to discover, and I found out many years ago, of truly what God has called me to be. And I want to start this with a framework, because I fully understand that for some people here in this room and others in this earth, it's one of the common purpose in philosophy. When you study philosophy, one of the primary questions they ask is, why are you here? What are you born to do? And philosophers and others have gone in this trajectory. And let me just say this. There was a theologian. He took 250 people, scientists, philosophers, and asked them to answer the question. Do you know what happened? They couldn't answer it. Some of them even wrote back to him and says, when you find out, can you please tell us what the purpose of life is? It's been the age-old question. Let's go back to Genesis, and when you start seeing things unfold, that you are here, you are being, and here's the start, you have been predestined for God's plans and his purposes. God doesn't require a lot of stuff of us. Do you know there's just one? Worship him and, and serve him in spirit and in truth. Everything else that we do in our life will become clear. And what we have discovered in, in this earth, that what happens is that when we're in ministry or in our workplace or we're in certain things that we do, we feel that our purpose is connected to our jobs. That's not true. Our purpose is connected for some in what we own. That is not true. Our purpose for some is in our status, in our positions, in the titles we hold. That is not true. And we're going to unpack this a little bit. And if I'm all over the show, it's because I am all over the show this morning. And there's a couple of things that might challenge us. Because truthfully, when we understand why you have been designed and called for, you will also understand why the enemy will go at you and not stop. Why you are feeling these highs and lows and sometimes temptations that come. Because you see, when God does what he needs to do, his will will prevail. But we find out that there are forces and other things. And that's why we will discover later that what we do in this life is so important. What we do today is so important. So allow me just to read God's word and then I'll share a couple of things and be a bit practical. Colossians 1.16 says, For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now I'm going to pause here for a moment. When we started off Siakula a few years ago as the church, there were certain things that we never knew was going to happen in a few years down the line. I'll give you a practical thing. In 2018, in the room I had met, I had Sasha Lee, we had Suryata at the time. We had um, Diana and myself. And we started to just sh share a little bit of what God is laying on our hearts and where things are. Little did we know that Tabo and Diana had this thought and idea and concept of what we were talking about. And they had a name. And you know what that name was? Siakula. Little did we know that Matt parents were not at the time in South Africa were preparing to come to Cape Town at some point 
and to settle down. And we met them. What we did not know, that Ray would be the chairperson of Siakula. But here's the part, and that's part of this introduction of, of God's plan, will, and purpose for our life, lives. What we did not know at the time, what was laying in the hearts of both Ray and Joe, and what God was speaking to them about. What they didn't know, was well, we were in a, a few discussions and rooms and things about talking about things and dreaming of what God is saying to us. We actually gathered some people around certain things, and it's all going to become clear now, that we never thought one day these things will materialize. You know what equally happened for some of you who have had Eric here and others? In our lives, God puts this tapestry together. And here's the picture I always have about the tapestry. For those who have seen this um, tapestry against a wall, it's beautiful from the front, isn't it so? Picture or landscape. And it's made in a, in a craft in a way that is so meticulous because it's all these various colors. But have some of you taken a look behind that tapestry. There are knots and pieces of thread and things hanging. And it kind of looks messy. And in our lives, God knits us together and we see the messiness. But God sees the picture of who we are, of what he's done. And we're like, Lord, why am I going through this pain? My tapestry, I'm at work. And that's the picture I always see when we see the messiness. And so what happened is, what we didn't know, Joe went through a series of studies and became qualified as an educational therapist. And we heard Joe's heart, and Ray, and a few things. And we're like, God, and here's the word that always intrigued me. When Joe spoke, she says, Errol, and we're gonna share about some things now. We need to consider these pods. We didn't fully understand this in 2019, when we spoke about pods. And we're like, whoa. So I'm going to frame this a little bit. I'm keeping some people in suspense, Joe. Come and join me. Joe is a grandmother to many biological children and others and Ray. They, in actual fact, illegally we are in a process of cloning them. Okay? Errol, what is the biblical view of cloning? We Google that together. We are in the process of cloning them. Because they are grandparents even to our children. Now, Joe plays a very smart card with us sometimes. She says, Errol, are you resting? And I'm like, yes. But I want you to rest because I'm older than you and I'm telling you this. And you must listen to me. And she throws that off and out. And I'm like, okay, yes, mom, I must listen. Joe has a fantastic heart for the children, as all of us have seen over the years. But what some of us didn't know, that in the midst of all that Joe has experienced in her life and experience, God prepare, has been preparing her for such a time as this. And when she shared some of the thoughts and the dreams and we started to talk through what God was saying through Siakula, we discovered that God's plan around what we're going to talk to you a little bit about today is so on time and so perfect that we started to conceptualize and said, why? Are we doing what we're doing? And we're seeing all the families and the children, but there are huge gaps in what is happening. Some of these gaps is that learners are having, and children are having challenges in certain areas. Now, for some of you who know Joe, yeah, you got your tackies on. She always has a tackies on, by the way, or 
comfortable shoes because Joe will run. She will work late. She will, Joe, where are you going? No, I'm going to this one. I'm doing that. And then, Joe, no, no. Here's the thing. We're just going to have some time together. Joe comes with cake or she's baking stuff. I'm like, where do you get the time? Ray, what happens in your home? Have you got some fairies there? No. Oh, you do it all. Yes, no comment, Joe. But she, truthfully, Joe has really been a blessing to us and to many in many ways. But for the focus of this morning, we want to highlight what God has laid on our hearts a few years ago. And when we knitted our hearts together with Joe and the understanding of a team of what it looks like, we started to say, how do we do things differently as the church? And so what we have discussed and prayed about and now want to talk to you about is that God laid on our hearts to start a learning center at the bay. In actual fact, we felt we must start this next year. But now I'm going to hand over to Joe to tell you why we are talking about this this year. <clears throat> wow. And you definitely wouldn't want two of me. As my husband always says, one's more than enough. So <laughs> I think I'd have to. Um, yeah, it's difficult to know where to start. Um, I think for, for probably the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years, we've worked in different parts of Africa. Um, and particularly for me, working with ch children. So I've mainstream taught in schools. And I've started enrichment programs alongside mainstream, mainstream teaching in schools. Because I, I think, basically, where, where, I, where I need to start is every child is fearfully and wonderfully made. Not some, every single child is. And we live in a world where the anxiety in our kids, the number of children on, on med, medic, medication because they can't concentrate, um, because they're anxious, because they're depressed, is through the roof. There have been so many red flags for a long, long, long time. And um, one of the things that I've, I've seen is if we create a biblical foundation for our children to learn, and a biblical foundation is every single one of them is fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one of them has strengths. And this one-size-fits-all that we have is ridiculous because <laughs> they come with so many different ways of think thinking and even the most challenged child can learn. I have worked with a, with a child whose brain is a third of the size of a normal brain and I have seen him do things that doctors said were, were, were in, impossible. Why? Not just because of me but because of prayer and because through everything that we do we actually weave prayer and we see God come through again and again and again. So um, one of the things I just felt to really share is as we, as we sort of brainstormed and journeyed around starting a, a learning center here, which means that, so what do we mean by learn, le learning pods? So when we think of education, we think of grades. So we think of grade one, grade two, grade three, and everybody's at the same, same place. The reality is children learn at diff different speeds. And I was one of those kids who was in the bottom group at school because I wanted to be playing sport. I wanted to be doing creative stuff. I wanted to, if a teacher said to me, this is how things work, I wanted to find out why and how. I, I was that, 
that kid. I was that night, night, nightmare child that all the teachers thought, oh. <laughs> um, and, but I've seen that through the way that we teach, through the way that we, that we can engage, the fact that God has made us with five, five senses are, who, who can tell me what the five senses are? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. And if we can engage those, it makes learning fun. And it also helps me to understand God has made me fit fearfully and, and wonderfully. And um, so why have we started now? I think one of the things that we also see in ed ed education is the, the things that our children are re what's required for them to be taught is so contrary to what the biblical foundation is. And I just want to read this, this scripture, Matthew 7, and it's a story that all of us who have been to Sunday school or kids' ministry pro probably know well. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was, was the fall. Every child is different. Every child brings a variety of abilities, interests and backgrounds in, 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 the, in the classroom. Some children know some things. Some children find, find it hard to learn. So we basically, our dream was to create a space where children who are falling through the gaps at school, where there's many, many, many kids, um, where we can create a space where we build everything on a biblical found foundation so that they can stand firm. So when they're out there in the world and the challenges come, they can stand on that rock. Um, so our whole thinking, there's so many things I could share, it's really hard to know what to say and where to go. Um, so basically in our sort of journeying and just sort of asking God, this came to us again and again and again. Pe people coming to us, families who we were, we were journeying with, my child is falling through the gaps, my child can't learn, my child has been advised to be, be, be on meds. And, and it was just like confirmation after, after, after confirmation that we were on the right track. Um, so, as Errol said, we were planning to kind of start next year, but then there was suddenly a massive need. So, we've basically, at the beginning of this last term, we began a pilot program here with several children from, from the church. Um, and we meet, our, our base is this, this, this classroom here. And they, they are our children who... Um, just learn in, in, in very different ways. Some of them have health cha challenges. Um, some of them have, have concentration ish, ish, issues. Um, but we've just finished an amazing term. And I think, I think just in a very, I've got one dad here actually, his head's going like this and one there too. Um, just to see in a very short space of time how bringing children into a space where they feel loved, where they feel safe, where we've been able to not just teach them maths and English and history and geography and stuff, 
but we've we've been able to talk about where they've found things hard, when their emotions get far too big, and to help them see that God cares. We begin every day with 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 a, a devotion, and we do an exercise too. And it's just been amazing to actually see what has come from every single one one of these kids. Um, so I could stand here and talk all day about it, but I think that's basically it. So, yeah. So people are going to ask questions, Joe, because as we discussed this before, so we launched off a pilot program only for this year, and we're going to launch officially as a learning center next year. God has orchestrated that we are able to get a contact with the Western Cape Education Department, and we're looking at that options of a few things. We have a beautiful uh, person who's involved with the Christian Schools Association and, and on the board and also will be mentoring us and training us. And so we're going to put some legal things in place over the next few weeks and months. But what is key right now is that the, there's a registration process, there's a fee structure, and we can only take a small group of children. So this is not us advertising. This is us declaring today and, and really understanding that God has set something through the bay over the years and that part of this is for us to have an expression and an understanding of how we can be part of the solution in our country and what God is doing. And we're just being obedient to that. You know, and so we don't know what the future holds. Yes, we will trust God for a building and for many other things and dream about stuff. But right now what we understand is that we want to do what God requires of us. And we took the first step and God started to open up doors. So if there's more things that you would like to know, which age groups we work at and the different phases uh, we're looking at. And also there's a few things we are looking at, which is a hybrid approach. And uh, we'll learn and talk to you more about that for those that are differently able. But thank you, Joe. Bless you. Amen. Um, yesterday, Trace and I had the privilege to be in the business park at a launch off of Autism Connect. They are going to be the first skill school that will be looking at those that are autistic to help them to communicate for those that are nonverbal. And what was exciting about that was to see how God is using people like us and people who are born again to come and be um, change makers in, in different areas. For those who know, every year as Siakula and the Bay, we host Night to Shine and we're going to celebrate those that are on the spectrum and we're going to start advocating and talking through things and we're going to add our voice to be part of the solution for what God has for this country and nation. Daniel works with us two days a week and he does a bit of IT support and other things. We have Haley who's now joined us as a volunteer after school. And so whatever God lays on your heart. Now listen, you know, we want to be practical and understand that through Siakula and the church, we can only do so much. We are not there to save everybody. We've got a health program, as you know, running. So in a few months' time, in actual fact, in November, we're going to break ground just outside here on your right. We have three shipping containers of our containers that are standing at the storage facility in Capricorn, and there's a library there that is standing at the moment. In the city, we are about close to 90% to get the approval. The business park has been uh, reviewing our plans so that next year we are launching off a family center on the other side of the parking space with the idea to close up the fencing and to grow God's work in terms of Siakula and the bay and what it looks like. And so just watch this space, okay? And we're just doing it to honor God and what he's, he's allowed us to do. So part of why I'm sharing this about purpose, I did not think 20 years back, in actual fact, I shared the story before, but what it's, for what it's worth, 
When Tracy and I came to the bay, we were sitting at the back there. We just came to visit. And for years, I just said, Tracy, I just want to sit under the tree. I don't feel like getting involved with ministry and leadership and all of that. We've done that before. And you know what? Let's just use this opportunity to rest. And we did that for three years. But you know, when God nudges you and when he says to you, listen, you, you still got some things to do, you, you ignore that voice. I do it sometimes. And we had now the other day, you know, you go to people and God says, you've got to pray for that person. You're like, oh, yes, okay, Lord. And then you, you're obedient and God does what he does. And so what we did is we then, as God was talking to us, saying, listen, do what you need to do. What we did not know in making that commitment we would meet people like Ray, Joe, a few of you, and many others down the line. What we did not know is that when we take that step in terms of his plans and his purposes for us, not our plans, he directs our paths. He opens the doors. He shows us the way. So let me just go through this very quickly. Your life purpose consists of the central motivating aims of your life. The reasons you get up in the morning is the question, why do I exist? Purpose can guide life decisions, influence behavior, shape goals, offer a sense of direction, and create meaning. And we will find that some people just walk around wondering without purpose. We've seen that. Notice the countenance of a person that does that. They're always walking down feeling the shoulders, I'm just here, why am I in a meeting? I don't know, somebody invited me. Notice with some people with, who doesn't have a sense of purpose will spew out stuff that confuses you. You know, I just want to do this, I want to run there, I'm going to go there, I just love everybody, I want to get the community, can I feed the people, can I come to evangelism, can I go to the Bible school? They're like, okay. Boogie Wonderland, all over the show. And sometimes that's okay for a season. But when you start understanding what God has called you to do, he starts bringing you like a laser. And like an arrow, he points you in the direction. And he says, go. For some people, purpose is connected to the job, like I said, calling or something meaningful and satisfying work. Now, some of us, I mean, there are myriads of books out there and self-help books. And some people, as Christians, have a gone to read those books and then they forget that God says in his word a few things and then you're like okay I read this book and I'm more confused because that's not the source of your life reading your horoscopes is not going to tell you how to go and do that job or go to things because Christians read horoscopes I'm not talking about people out there it's yeah Christians we got to understand when we are doing that, the, being double-minded, God can't answer our prayer because he can't honor his word. He wants to answer your prayer, but you must come to him and to him only. These kind of self-help books is the philosophies and ideologies of man. It's not the thoughts and the purposes of God. God's plan for our lives is not a mystery. By centering our lives around God. And this is taken from Rick Warren's book. 
and learn how to worship like we did this morning. How awesome was that? Where you just come and you worship God, learning to love God's family, which is fellowship. Cultivating a spiritual maturity, which is discipling. So as you grow, God will send somebody along your way, not just as a friend, but maybe to disciple him or her. Because in discipling, you are growing. In, can I just say this for what it's worth in a testimony? The young lady that we, we came to understand with Rhea and V, and, and I'm not going to go into the story how we did the funeral, but what we did not know is that Rhea and V had the opportunity to minister to her. Not, they first worked together, ministered to her, got her saved. They got baptized at somebody's home, baptized her, not knowing a few months down the line that cancer was just going to spread through her body and that she is now with the Lord Jesus Christ. My goodness, by being obedient to the purpose that God has called you to share the gospel, to contribute something back to ministry. We're not just talking financially. You know how you give back? Just a bit of your time, a bit of praying for people. I mean, I think like this morning with Yolandi, just coming and saying, you know, I feel we need to just pray over, and God does that. That's beautiful. That's part of fellowship and ministry and telling others, about God's love. I, I, I can see Andy's excited. Yes, evangelism is there. But that's part of the gospel message. And we will build the foundation of a successful and satisfying life. By just these fundamental things. It's biblical views. Now I'm going to go into a little bit of understanding. So I don't want you to lose me here. A few years ago. Um, let me just go back. A few years ago, Tracy and I uh, were in, in a Bible school, in, in, and we attended the evening. And as I was um, just going through some stuff, I spoke to Sheldon now the other day. There came a term in, in my mind that I haven't thought of for many years. And the Bible school principal has passed, um, and he was a mentor to us. And we just love the way he used to exposit God's word. And he used to speak. And, you know, he used to make God's word practical. And he was just a fantastic man to be with. Had his own life challenges. But one evening, I'll never forget. He spoke about this praxis of life. And I'm like, what? Never heard that term. A few weeks now and months down the line. God spoke to me and I, I said, what is this about praxis? And I went into just researching a bit. A bit. And I'm just going to share with you a snippet of what God spoke to me about why he wants me to understand this. So a, there are different praxis that is out there. And I'll explain the definition now. The Christian praxis is a term, and Alphanus is not here, because I know with Judas Prudence, he's going to jump up and down in light of what we've been talking about. But Christian practice is a term used by most theologians to express how the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be lived in the world. Why the word praxis? And you'll see later why. Praxis is also the key in meditation and spiritually, where emphasis is placed on gaining first-hand experience of concepts in certain areas such as the union with the divine or God. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. If you want to know what your purpose is in life is, connect with God. Don't take secondary, don't dilute the gospel by reading a book about your purpose when the Bible speaks about your purpose. 
I don't mind watching TV that has Christian messages on, but why are you listening to a message to feed you when Bible, the Bible must feed you and not the messages of people because also opinions get activated there. This is why the praxis is so important and it's a theological term. And you're going to see why. That which can only be explored, here's it, through praxis due to the inability of the finite mind and the, its tool and language to comprehend or express the infinite. God is a big God. He's a great God. But he has set things in place and only through this, living a life and understanding and connecting with him, will he reveal to you certain things. He won't reveal it to someone else without confirming it also with you. Let me explain it this way. Some people go from meeting to meeting, listening to prophets, to prophesy over their lives and to hear what God is saying without hearing what God says to them first. A prophet must then confirm it that God has said to you already. Let's not get the order wrong. Because that is a form of witchcraft. Because we go to people to hear from God, but without us going to God. Thank you. Wisdom is always got to do with taste. In both Latin and the Hebrew, the word of, for wisdom comes from the word of taste. So it's something to taste, not something to theorize about. Taste and see that God is good. Now listen, I can, Joe bakes the most amazing cake. Meals. Joe can tell me all she wants about this cake and what she does and show me pictures and WhatsApp it to me. But my goodness, man, a nice cup of coffee or tea, I want to taste that because it looks amazing. The gospel is about doing, tasting. It's only when you meditate on God's word, when you explore with God, when you spend time with him, when you worship him, that you will taste and see that the Lord is good. No one can do it for us. Now, this is not my words. These are theologians. And by the way, you go and Google in Wikipedia, this is all there. It's about tasting and trusting the experience before an institution or dogma. Meaning, the base city church is not a label to carry. Because you know what? God is here for the church. He's coming for a bride. Not for a few brides. It's coming from one bride. He has one message, one Bible. And if we understand that well, we will also understand where we need to go. So our Christian praxis is something that goes beyond practices, actions, or behaviors. Praxis is described as a combination of reflection and action that realizes our life history of, of human persons. Let me explain it this way. I had the privilege to work with UCT medical students um, as a, a trained facilitator for a few years. In that I had many privileges in, in light of what was happening. And um, what happened there is that I found out with the students, for example, that they weren't doing well. And these are top of the grades. If you get into MBCHB, which is to be a doctor, you have to do well academically. And then as I was working there the first term, I felt these students are not going to do well with exams. And as a trained facilitator, I researched and did some study methods. And I then put the students to a challenge. And I said to them, what if you want to be a novice learner or an advanced learner? And they said to me, sir, we want to be an advanced learner. What does that mean? I said, okay, 
What if you take your uh, books and your stuff and you leave it at the door? You don't come with your notes, but you try to memorize. I'll teach you techniques to memorize all the things that we are learning through the different caseloads and case studies. They said, no problem. Now, you know, I don't do sugar, by the way, but I also understand the effects of sugar. And so I said to them, we're going to get these soft, chewy uh, sweets because we are three hours together. We do take breaks in between, but let's get some soft sweets and we put it in the center of the table. So if you feel your energy level is low, drink some water, have a chewy sweet, and let's go on and we get through the stuff. In the first term, of the 10 students I had, seven of them got onto the Dean's Merit List by having over 70% in their, in their work. I then got evaluated as a facilitator twice. I was holding a full-time job in Anova Park while doing this part-time. And then what happened is that as we got evaluated, I said to the facilitators, uh, the, the, sorry, the course conveners, why are you evaluating me twice? I only get one, evaluated once per term. They said, it'll be trying to understand what you are doing with the students. I said, why did you just not ask? And I told them. And so every year from then, one doctor said to me, I've been doing this for 23 years. I've only had one student meet, do the, uh, get onto the Dean's Merit List. You had every term people meeting there. Now, why am I telling you this story? It wasn't how good I was. I had to understand my purpose in what I was doing. I didn't have... Listen, I'm not a qualified doctor, but I'm a trained facilitator and I could use the skills God gave me with the wisdom to do what my purpose is in their lives. But let me explain this last part of that. And I learned something very carefully and it's something that comes out here. Practice is about described as a combination of reflection and action. Do you know that every time the doctors are being trained for the first few years of their, of their training to do reflective work, they hated us for it. They don't like writing and journaling. And, and then we had third year and fourth year students come and said, we now understand why we have to reflect as doctors. Because we see death. We see experiences. What God says in his word is that meditate on my word day and night. And when we do that, and part of why they train doctors to reflect, because there is a healing in what takes place in your life. When we are so busy and we can't sit and journal or reflect or ponder on God's word. And this is my challenge as well as I'm preaching to you. I hear God saying, I want to woo you so that you can come closer so that I can speak to you. And this is my challenge too. That our lives are too busy with stuff without giving enough time for God to let his reflection shine through us. Because look what happens with the refiner's fire, with the silver or the gold, it's because when you look into there, the image can reflect back like water. God wants to see the mirror of himself in us. In this, this sense, actions are realized in light of the way that affect history. What actually the term they use there is historicity. It's a key term that doesn't speak about our history and our culture. It speaks about the fact that you are part of history and in history and can make history. That's what that definition is. It means that you are a history maker where you are. And you are part of history. I was listening to somebody yesterday. I don't know the details. I haven't read the article. I'm just going on here say that there was um, this famous tree that somebody just chopped down. Uh, it was in movies and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know this full story. Hey? Sycamore tree in the UK, apparently. Uh, well, do you know the guy? He's from the UK. He chopped down the tree. Hey? Levi, don't you know the guy? 
Do you know about the story? Anyway, it's in the news. Apparently, I didn't know about it. Andy, do you know the guy? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just asking the people from the UK. Because like people when you come out of South Africa or Cape Town, do you know so-and-so in Africa? <laughs> We've got about a couple of million people here. Okay, but here's the story, right? Firstly, that tree has history. I said to somebody yesterday, the biggest thing is, now apparently he was found guilty. He's getting a few years, eh? He was a young teenager. He goes down in history for the man that, or the young boy that chopped down this tree. The tree has its own story. So everything we do is part of history. This is my famous story I like to tell. Zinazin Zidane was a famous soccer player. He scored the most goals in terms of his year and his time. For those who don't know the story, he played his last game and then wanted to retire. We all now only know him for head-butting somebody. History defines us by what we do. This amazing soccer player now gets known just for his head-butting. Nobody remembers all the history and the record. Hey? Yeah. Most theologians see Christian theological practice mainly as lived and expressed in the life of community. So here's why community is important. Because doing life together here means if we get this right, we can take it out there. Because sometimes we don't get it right here. Why are you sitting there? Oh, I don't want to talk to so and so, you know. She just I don't like the way she worships. You see why God, iron, as iron sharpens iron, so shall one sharpen the countenance of another. We are here. If you're asking God for patience, the chances are he's going to get you to come across somebody who's irritating you. <laughs> Yo, this person is irritating. Uh, and here's the tapestry part behind the screens. Patience. You need to learn. The gifts of the Spirit must be made manifest in you so that you can shine for me. This is where a community is said to become an expression of the presence of the kingdom of God like we saw this morning. So long as it's being, here's the part, true to his calling to Christian practice. We've practiced, sorry, we have spoken about this in our men's group, but we all know this. Firstly, when we see someone, um, and it's been researched, within less than a decisecond, less than a millisecond, we judge someone by what we see and by when they speak, all of us. And we have our own biases built in already. And so what happens is that if you have a life experience and it gets uh, equated to like a ruler, so you get a 15 centimeter ruler, 30 centimeter, 1 meter, 2, 5, 10, and it goes on. We measure someone by our experience. And we place that person, and our body language shows it, and our speech, where we position them through what we just thought for that less than a millisecond. Here's the second part. And then when we ask questions and have a conversation, we then mentally position that person according to our conversation and outcome. And we all do that. What I like about God's word and what it says here is that so long as it's being true, and this is why we must do life together. Because you know, we know each other then through the thick and thin, wart and all. And in this, when we get this right, and we see somebody that is annoying us or doing whatever in the community or in our workplace amongst each other here, we get this right. 
Because this gospel is a practical gospel. I'm going to close off with the following. The reality that God, the Bible, biblical principles, angels, etc. are not just theoretical concepts, but are real and practical. And this is the reason why the practices is, praxis is such an important thing. They can, they can and should affect your everyday life. What the author is saying here is that don't just think and think, oh, angels is for those that are holy and spiritual. There are angels around us all the time. We live with angelic hosts all the time. We do not know sometimes when we will be entertaining angels. So be on our good behavior. Because here's what we've seen happen. I might be cursing someone now. I meet someone on the road and they ask me for something and I shrug them off. And there we miss an opportunity with an angelic experience just there. Because I was angry. Driver just drove into me like this. Who do you think she is or he is? Who are you talking to me like that? And God says, sure, my child, let's go with the patience again. The Bible uses the Greek word praxis as a doing, a mode of acting six times. It refers to deeds, actions, activities, or habits. If we get something right through our habits, it will show and the fruits will be displayed. Here's the wrap up. Proverbs 15.24 says, The path of life leads upward for the prudent, but to keep them from going down to the realm of death or dead. Practical thing is, the more you're going to know something, the more you're going to grow. And the more you grow in something, the more you've got to give or sow. And if you keep that, your life will spiral upward. So look at God's word. The path of life leads upward for the prudent. And to keep them from going what? downwards to death so what we do every day reading God's word praying is to build us upward but when we stop doing that it's going to spiral us downwards and lead to firstly spiritual death and then to physical death I can't argue with God's word let's stand What is God saying to you this today? What are the habits and the things you need to do to get right, to honor God through spending time with Him through His Word? What is God saying to you of habits you must let go that is keeping you away from God and the things of God? You see, we are all challenged with this, that in order for us to understand what this, and, and let me just say this as I wrap this up, that practice is a helix effect. It means this for those in the IT sector, when you take cables and you're laying it in terms of whatever that cat, whatever stuff is, the information must flow. It's like a helix in terms of a, like a DNA. So what happens in God's understanding is that when you spiral and you're doing this, God's DNA is in you, and the more you do that, you become self-propelled. The word there is parakletos, where the Spirit of God is alive in you. It means when, when the disciples, and we've seen this with Jesus, and take his own spit and put it in the ground, wasn't to be gross. He wanted to show the manifest power of God, that when you do that, he can put this, and eye sockets will be done, put into place, and a person will be healed. Because the Spirit of God is alive in you. And it's in that, that God will perpetually let you grow upwards because he calls you prudent, wise. Come, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God and a Father over us. That today, we lay aside the things that 
distracts us, our time management, the things that we need to look at, Lord God, that will draw us closer to you. Lord, you will be the after preacher of this message today. Won't you lead us and guide us? We pray your blessing over those in Bloemfontein as they journey home in the next few days. We pray for us as we separate our, our ways from here and go in our different pathways. Won't you protect us and lead us that the angels of the Lord will watch over us. Lord, we pray that as we go into this week, that we will be a blessing, that we need to understand that this gospel needs to be shared, that we need to speak about your salvation plan, that we go into this world, that we need to be salt and light, that we will be, oh, Father God, and change the atmospheres, that we won't just look at our own woes and problems, but that we will look through your eyes, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we honor you. Bless us as we depart and as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Have a good week. Amen.